Thank you, thank you. As Pastor Rob says, I think the loudest clap should be reserved for our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's really give him a great hand. Yeah. Well, I'll be quick on the introductions because there's lots to cover. And um, I'm Big Mac, who those who weren't uh, here last night, been married to the brain for 27 years. Subject to most of the books if you want to uh, uh, buy any of them. And I always try to find something about a specific area uh, that I can remember or something unique about the area. And I was thinking about Minnesota and I noticed there's a lot of blonde ladies in Minnesota. Now, typically in the past, blonde jokes were very um, derogatory. But I was reading about this uh, blonde who in New York who came to the bank and wanted to borrow $5,000 to go overseas because Pastor Rob was talking about money. And um, they asked her for collateral, so she gave them the keys to her 550 Mercedes SLK. And so they took the car and parked it downstairs, gave her the 5,000, and they were all laughing. They're saying, I mean, really, that's crazy. You want to borrow $5,000 and you got it given 110,000 car collateral. So she came back after two weeks and they presented a bill to her. The interest was $15.41 since we've been talking about money. And they said to her, while you were away, we checked up on you. We see you're a multimillionaireess. Why did you, you know, why did you want to borrow money from us? She says, well, where else could you park in New York City for $15.41 and still find your car when you come back again? I like that joke. It's funny. And it's good to laugh. You know, God designed us to laugh. And when we laugh, we actually increase our brain intelligence. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, so I'm a cognitive neuroscientist, and I've been studying the brain for nearly 30 years now. I ran a clinical practice for 25 years. Um, and now I go around the world, Mac and I, teaching this message of brain science in the Bible. And it's such an honor to, and really not what I expected to be doing with my life, but boy, am I glad. It's incredible to be able to share these truths in the church and around the world. But the church has got the answer, so we need to equip the church to go and get the rest of the world. Okay, so I see my job as telling you how brilliant you are, showing you that you have an incredible mind, an incredible brain, and showing you that when you use it correctly and do what you're supposed to do, you actually can make the impact in the world that you're supposed to be making. So the, tonight, the first session, I'm going to start teaching you the concept of thoughts are real. And I'm so glad to have multiple sessions to teach this, otherwise I talk even faster than I should, and I do talk fast already. But anyway, I've got lots of materials, I've got a TV show, I've got online stuff, um, there's loads of places that you can get more information about this. Uh, but tonight, the first session, we're going to be talking about the fact that you have a love, power, and a sound mind. And we're going to start understanding what this means scientifically and what this, and what this means from a spiritual perspective. So right up, right up front, I need to just say to you that God made everything. Do you agree? Yes. Okay, so science is simply a description of the everything. 
God made everything. So every scientific discovery, every science, everything about the world that we live in is not man that, that created that. It's God that inspired man to find out what he hid in nature. So science is discovering all these hidden things about God. And as time, is, as time passes, God reveals bit by bit to us for various different purposes. And of course, the enemy will try and jump in and confuse science and misuse science and misuse in whatever way he can. But he is, just let me remind you, a liar and a defeated foe. So he actually has no power except what we choose to believe. So he has no power, but if we take what he, what we, what he says and listen, we turn a nothing into a something. Now, hang with me on that thought because I'm going to teach this over the four sessions. I'm going to show you how we can stop falling for his lies and how we, have to, how we need to learn how to use our minds correctly. And I found one of the most powerful ways of teaching this is to show you that Thoughts are real things, that you have a mind that actually changes your brain. So first of all, I have to teach you that your mind is separate from your brain. But before I do that, these are my four children, so you'll see that we do have four kids, that we don't just go around the world teaching about the brain. They are actually um, amazing. They travel with us a lot. Um, the youngest is going into the same field. The eldest works for us. The two middle ones are in business and, and more the creative, uh, creative line. Anyway, so they tell us, we, we, with all the stuff that we teach, we've been, um, they've grown up in, immersed in this, so it's got to the point where Mac and I can't even have a decent argument anymore because as soon as we do they tell us hey you're not using your mind properly so they really do monitor us and make sure that we apply what we teach so we do okay so a little bit about science God is pulling us along in an exciting adventure he uses science to reveal himself as I mentioned last night at the marriage seminar he is it's the same author science and the Bible have the same author okay so scientists without God tend to try and work out what science means without God so they make a lot of mistakes and we get a lot of false information, biased information, and incorrect interpretation of science coming through and um, through the through the worldly means if you don't interpret it through God's eyes. So what myself and Christians that are involved in science, what we're trying to do is take science and share the truth through view, view it through God's eyes, which is the correct way, and show what it really means. So because of that you'll see the bottom statement there, science tends to die one funeral at a time. And that is because as God reveals something, man without God tends to think now we've got the answer. So we don't need God. More evidence that God is not real or something like that. And then a new huge revelation is revealed, um, scientific discoveries revealed, and then they have to go back to the drawing board and start all over again. And that's what science does. It progresses like that and God keeps, God is in control. As we all know, he's in control. He's in control of the world of science. Science is like an analogy. Science should be in the church as I've already said because God created it but science helps us to understand these truths that God talks about in scripture so I'm going to use a lot of science so right up front I also want you to remember that you are brilliant and intelligent and how do I know that well the Bible tells me that you made in his image he's brilliant so you brilliant so turn to each other and say no matter how far she talks no matter how much science she throws at us I will understand every word <laughs> and if I don't I will go and listen again and again and again because you will see by the fourth session tomorrow that you do not take in everything straight away. You are not designed to do that. Wisdom comes from, is built layer upon layer upon layer. The first time you hear something, you only hear it a bit of it. Then you hear it a second time, a third time, a fourth time. And research shows it takes a full 21 days to actually build a new thought inside your brain and 63 days minimum to turn that into a habit. So we're going to be learning about this, these different concepts over these four sessions. Okay, so. 
basically God gave us a spirit, soul, and body. And before I go into that in a little more depth, I want to, I don't know if any of you know about TED Talks, but uh, TED, the TEDx community or the TED community is a 20 million strong um, plus community of scientists. Most of them are non-believers. And I was invited to do a talk there on my research in um, earlier on this year. So if you want to see the link, if you want to go into more of the science side of what I do, which is totally God's stuff, um, you're welcome to look on our website or go to TED. But I'm just going to tell you a couple of things from this science that I've been involved in for 30 years and that I still am busy involved in the research. And you never stop being a scientist. You're always researching. And I want to relate it to the fact that thoughts are real things, that thoughts occupy mental real estate, that God says that you have a love power and a sound mind, and the mind is the thing that builds the thoughts, and that thoughts can change according to Romans 12, 2, you can renew your mind, which means you renew your brain, and God tells us to bring all thoughts into captivity to Christ Jesus. So that for me is foundational and fundamental to how we're going to be successful in our life. We better understand thinking. If we don't understand thinking, which is the core of everything else that you do, because you're thinking all the time, you're a thinking being made in the image of a thinking God. So whether you like it or not, you are thinking 24 hours a day. The minute you open your eyes, you are starting to think and build thoughts. And as you go to sleep at night, you are sorting out the thoughts that you have built during the course of the day. And God has given us the freedom and the free will to choose the thoughts that we think, but there are consequences as a result. So 30 years ago, when I started in this field, I asked a ridiculous question. Well, I didn't think it was ridiculous, but my professors did. And the reason they did was because the going theory of the brain at that time, I'm a neuroscientist, so neuroscience is my field, the going theory was that your brain can't change. So if you have damage or if you have something wrong, if there's some genetic disorder, well, that's it. You just got to learn to live with it. So we were trained as therapists in that time and that age, that era, to teach our patients to compensate. But I'm also a Christian, I've been a Christian my whole life and my scientific walk has been informed by my spiritual walk. So I knew about Romans 12 too. I knew about bring all thoughts into captivity. I knew about all the stuff about God makes all things new. So something was not correct for me in terms of the scientific philosophy that I was being presented as a student. So I went through my degree, did my research, did my studies. I've done four different degrees in the field. And basically when I was starting on my, when I, 30 years ago when I was really getting into proper research, I asked this question, and the question was, can the mind change the brain? Why did they think it was ridiculous? Well, first of all, they said to me, the brain can't change, which I didn't believe, okay, because the brain is the physical part of us, and, the, and if, we can, if we have got Romans 12, 2 operating, it means things are changing. If God makes all things new, something was wrong with that, okay? Second thing is that the mind changes the brain, which implies the mind is separate from the brain. Most of the time, people don't realize that your mind is separate from your brain. Okay, now your brain's in your head, which I know you know, but if I take your brain out of your head, which I don't plan on doing this evening, but if I did, you wouldn't be able to do much with your brain in my hand. It wouldn't do much. It would be in my hand doing nothing. But your brain in your head right at this moment, at 400 billion actions per second and faster, in fact, they estimate it's probably closer to 10 to the 28, which is incredibly fast. Your thinking, that speed is your thinking. What I've just said, at four, that 400 billion actions per second thing, is the speed of your thinking. And as you are thinking at that speed, you are changing the physical substance of your brain. Okay, so... You are a neuroplastician. Neuro means brain, plastic means to change. You are designed to change your brain. What is the you changing your brain? Your mind. 
Okay, so your mind is separate from your brain. So I just very briefly, this is a huge field, so just very quick because of the limited time, I worked in many different areas and one of the areas that I focused, decided to focus my research on was those people that had suffered traumatic brain injury, TBI, used to be called CHI, closed head injury. And the reason I did was because there was very little research done in that area because they thought, well, if someone's had brain damage from a car accident or something like that, there's not really much hope, so why bother researching it? I mean, I don't know why they thought like that, thank goodness they don't anymore, but at that time, because because the brain was seen as not a changeable thing, they thought, well, you just can't really do anything. So I decided to see, take the worst cases I could find and decide to see that if the mind can change and if the mind is dominant over the physical, which is correct because he's spirit, soul, body, so the brain is part of the physical and the physical is subservient to the soul, which is the mind, which is subservient to the spirit of man being a triune being. Well, then if you use your mind and you bring those thoughts into captivity and you direct your mind because the scriptures say, pay attention to my word, keep it in front of you. You know, there's all these scriptures that tell us that we, when we focus, we develop wisdom. So the word teaches us that the way you use your mind will make change. So I took those principles, looked at the whole science of how thoughts actually build in the brain, so what's happening in your brain at the moment as you're listening to me, you're building thoughts, turned that into, a t into techniques over the years and started using that in research and that's what I taught my patients to do. Now all the stuff that I did over the years I've put into all my materials, so um, the techniques, etc. So I started working with patients. One case, I'm going to just tell you very quickly about one case because it was an extreme case where this young girl had such big holes in her brain that the parents were told by the neurologists that she was going to be a vegetable if she ever came out of her coma. She was in a coma for two weeks. If you are in a coma for longer than eight hours, the brain damage is considered to be irreversible. Okay, it's a little bit more hopeful now, but in, back in the 30, 25 years ago, that was not the case. Okay, long story short, these parents did not give up. They did not receive that, that death sentence over their child's life. They spoke into her life. They were believers. They spoke the word over her. They played um, favorite music. They played worship music. They got a whole team of people. So for 24 hours a day, she was being stimulated. Her favorite stories were being read to her. Her favorite scriptures were being read to her. She had movies playing. And there was this constant speaking. They, the parents would not allow negativity over her. Um, they couldn't control what happened when they weren't there, etc. Because sometimes, you know, doctors, would sometimes would speak negative and say, well, there's not much hope, etc., etc. She came around after two weeks. She heard everything. She told them, I heard everything. I heard the negative. I heard the positive. I heard it all. And I fought to come back because I knew I had to come back. She woke up. She started communicating. It was an absolute miracle. She was 16 at the time of her accident. By the time this had all happened, her peer group was coming to the end of her, their 11th grade. Um, she was determined to improve. She got to a sort of fourth grade level from... Now that may not sound great, but from someone who's supposed to be a vegetable, just the fact that she's talking, let alone getting to fourth grade, is an absolute miracle. And then long story short, the parents contacted me around about eight months after her accident, and they heard about what I was doing, and they said, please work with her. And I said, well, it's very experimental. If you want to work with me, we work together three hours, twice a week for eight months. It was unbelievable what happened. Now this girl's goal was huge. She had a goal. She had a vision. She was so determined, and she was so desperate. She and all this vision, goal, determination, desperation, all this is mind action. These are thoughts she was thinking. 
These are decisions she was making with her mind. She was choosing to use her love power and her sound mind in a very, very good way. She was disciplined. She was rigorous. She applied the technique. She worked for hours every day. She was determined to finish school with her peer group. She was determined to go into 12th grade and finish it and graduate with her peer group. She did. She graduated with her peer group, and that in itself was an absolute miracle. And then another miracle happened. She was a very average student prior to her, ex her accident. Very average. In fact, math was pretty poor. She really battled. After her accident, with holes in her head, she actually got such incredible grades for math. Her math grades shot right up. Another thing that happened that was an absolute miracle was, um, if you, I hate IQs because they don't tell you anything about you, but that was a measure that we had back then. And she was considered when she went into school before her accident to have a very average IQ, kind of on the low average side. After the accident, with holes in her head, her IQ had gone into the genius level. My point, this young girl, I'm telling you just a few things. I can tell you a million stories. I can tell you a million different things, but I don't have time. What I will share with you and the point that I wanted to make was that she chose. She chose to use her love power and her sound mind. Despite all the odds, this girl's, this girl's results should not have been what they were. In fact, IQs normally drop. 20 to 40 points after that kind of trauma, if you come around, who's increased into genius level. Okay, so here we have evidence that the mind has changed the brain. When we looked at the brain scans, there was regrowth of brain material. In other words, there was change in her brain. In the mid-1990s, neuroplasticity, which is that the fact that the brain can change, was accepted. Up until the 60s, and this was in the 80s that I'm talking about my research when I started it, it was not possible. So more science if you want to watch that, you can go on my TED talk, you can read my peer-reviewed papers, papers if you are interested in that field. But what I essentially want to tell you is that your mind is separate from your brain and the way you use your mind will change your brain. Therefore, you are not a victim of your biology. You are a victor over and above your biology. Okay, you are not a victim of your circumstances. Now, let me repeat that because when I say that, people say, hey, what about kids that are in abusive situations? That's trauma, and I agree that that is not something that they choose. But here's the thing. You cannot control the events and circumstances of your life, but you can control your reactions to those events and circumstances. We all know Joyce Meyer, don't we? We all know that she was raped more than 200 times by her father. I don't know if you know the story of one day when he was collecting her from school and he stopped and he raped her again and the policeman came by and she said, finally, maybe I'll be set free. He paid the policeman, the policeman also raped her. So basically, that's the situation. Now she reaches three quarters or not the whole, almost like just about the whole world knows who she is, not quite, but I mean, she reaches millions and millions of people. She could have given up. She had the worst situation. And yes, it did take her years to really find Christ, to make the change, but she chose. She chose to use her mind differently. When I've discussed this with her, she said it took her a whole year of choosing to meditate on the love of the Father. She said for a whole year, every single day, she focused on the love of the Father before she could actually develop in her mind a belief that God is real and God really loves her. She took her a whole year. Now that is discipline. That is rigor. And we give up too easily. Research shows that most people just give up around about day three and day four when things get too tough. 
So what we have to do is realize that we have to push through. We are designed to rejoice despite the circumstances. We are designed to control our reactions. Let me say that again. You cannot control the events and circumstances of your life, but you can control your reactions to those events and circumstances. So these four sessions I hope to teach you to start understanding how you do this with your love, power and your sound mind. So if you look on the stage, you'll see that there's, okay, so that was the IQ change that happened on that, in that slide. There's green trees and there is a toxic tree over here. This is the love zone and this is the fear zone. I always teach with this. And here you are in the middle and here you are doing life. And the events and circumstances of life hit you as you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes and you reach for your cell phone or hopefully if you're married, married you hug your husband or wife before you reach for your cell phone, okay? And you start life and the things happen and the whatever and you are into life so you are going to be whether you like it or not reacting to the events and circumstances all day long so the signals of life are going to come into your brain and your brain is simply going to process them based on you you direct your brain you don't your brain does not control you what can happen is your habits will influence how you react so what happens is that we grow thoughts we implant thoughts and in the second service today I'm going to teach how that all happens but basically the more we focus on something the more that will control us what I want you to understand is what happens as you process a signal so while you are listening to me now you are hearing my words and you are hearing and you are seeing these visuals and you're aware of the sounds around you etc and you feeling the cold the cool air and the seat etc etc and the people around you and so on so your five senses are being activated and your five senses are part of your physical and they are they are receiving that signal of your mind so before I go into more depth about that I want to show you a brain on a plate okay the, the marriage seminar people saw this last night so this is now a brain on a plate and that brain can do nothing unless it's in your head that brain is not self-emergent oops we need sound off sound off there please okay so it's only my voice that's supposed to be going hopefully they'll turn the sound off okay so your let me talk louder your brain is not self-emergent that brain on that plate cannot do anything except sit there on that plate and we can study it. It is you, let's just go to the next slide please. Um, it is you that control your brain. So your brain receives the result of your signals. So what you are listening to and what you are seeing, what you are hearing and what you are seeing turns into something inside your brain. Your brain captures it as a thought. So when you are thinking, when your mind is in action, it is converting the signals that are coming in through your five senses into real physical substance. Okay, so let's look at another slide. And this slide is a slide of a section through the brain. Please make sure there's no sound. Okay, can we just go back and turn the sound off? Sorry, guys, this is... Okay, hopefully they'll get the sound under control. So while they're getting the sound under control, this is a slice through your brain. We are going to go inside the brain. And as we go inside the brain, this is a computer-generated image. And this computer-generated image is basically showing what's happening inside the brain. Okay, let's just turn it off completely and I'll just explain it until we get the sound sorted. Is it good? Okay, third time. Lucky. Yay. Thank you, Jesus. I was praying there. You can do four to seven things at once. We were talking about this last night. You can, and I was doing it. I was praying and saying, Holy Spirit, come go jump in that audio visual and go sort that thing out. And I was looking at you and I'm thinking, how are we going to do this? And I'm speaking. You were doing multiple things at once as well. God has designed you that the front part of your brain is actually enables you to stand outside of yourself, observe your own thinking, and you can think of multiple things at once. Four to seven things at any one moment. Okay, so you are designed 
to be able to handle that. You are designed to do busy well, which is quite amazing. Okay, so now let's watch what happens as you process the events and circumstances when you wake up in the morning and all day long. What do I mean by turning the signal from outside into a physical reality in your brain? So here we go, inside the brain, these are thoughts. Thoughts look like trees, and that's why I use the tree analogy on the stage. The little branches that you see growing are called dendrites. So you are growing dendrites. This is what you are doing as you're listening to me now. The pulsing, the movement, the action is the signal, the quantum signal that is, is moving through your brain as you are thinking. So as you are thinking, you are generating this signal that moves at quantum speeds that actually causes growth to happen. How does the growth happen? Well, if you go inside the cell, the fat part over there is the cell body and inside the cell you're going to find the nucleus and inside the nucleus you're going to find basically your material the DNA so we're going to find chromosomes and then the chromosomes break down into the DNA but this pulsing that you're seeing over here is mind in action okay if you did you won't see that they're the chromosomes those are chromosomes not worms okay and the chromosomes are covered by a protein sheath and when the protein sheath is taken off it unzips into the DNA and the DNA has the genetic code on it now your thinking the way you are taking in my words at this moment in time, you are causing a whole lot of those little chromosomes with protein sheath, sheaths to unzip. It's like a little sleeping bag. And imagine unzipping a sleeping bag and getting out of the sleeping bag. Your mind is the signal that is actually doing that activating the DNA and activating the genetic code on the DNA. And when the genetic code is activated, it expresses. And when genes express, they make amino acids. And amino acids group together to form proteins. So your thinking, your love, power, power and sound mind, I want to stress sound mind, is causing DNA to express. You are making protein as you are sitting here listening to me. So my words and what you are seeing are converting into little protein structures called dendrites. So those branches you saw growing are made of proteins. And your choices as you think and choose, you are making those protein structures. And they group into these little tree-like structures. So your thoughts, which are real things, look like trees. And that's why I use this analogy on the stage. And you are the designer of the tree. You are unique and the way you are thinking is different to the person next to you. So the, you're hearing the same message, but you will be building your own unique little tree of this information, thought tree of this information. And this, so in other words, you are capturing in a physical state inside your brain the, the, your signals. Now, let's have a look at the next slide, which is the fact that we are a triune being. This is very important, and you'll see now this is starting to make a little bit more sense, and it will come together and show you your love power and your sound mind. You're a thinking being made in the image of a thinking God, okay? You are not a computer. You are not a pre-programmed computer like the world without God tries to tell us we are. You're a brilliant, unique, dynamic, powerful human being. Now, you have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a body, you have a, you're a triune being. Your spirit man is the highest part of you. Your spirit man is your communion, which is your worship. God made us for worship, for relationship. It is the highest part of the spirit man. Then you have your intuition, which is your gut feel, literally, which is where the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And then you have your conscience, as we know, which is right and wrong. That is your spirit man, the highest part of you. And it's designed to be led by the Spirit of God. So when you're born again, your spirit is regenerated because you plug into the Holy Spirit. Without being born again, your spirit is unregenerated and you are not communicating with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's very important that we plug in when we get born again. Okay, so then you have your mind, which is your soul. Your soul is your mind. Your mind is your soul. 
And I say that because people get so confused. Okay, your mind is your soul. It's not your brain. Okay, your mind soul is your intellect, your will and your emotions. Your ability to think, choose and feel. An amazing gift from God. God could have made us all robots, automatically choosing him, but he didn't. He gave us free will and when we choose him, he wants us to choose him because we want to choose him. So he gave us high intellect. We made in his image. We are all extremely intellectual, extremely intelligent, able to think deeply. When we think properly, we think and we choose. And as we think, we will choose. You are always thinking and you are always choosing. Thinking Mind in action leads to choice. You're also a feeling person. You have feelings and that's all in the soul realm. And feelings add this huge warm and, and color dimension to who we are as humans. So God gave us these qualities and he gave it to us at great risk because we could also choose not to follow him. Okay, that's an entirely, that's a choice that we have, okay? So we're going to more depth about choice in one of my other sessions. But what you, I want you to understand now, you as a spirit being spirit, you have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a body. So your third part is your body, also made of three parts, your exoderm, mesoderm, endoderm, and your brain is the dominant part, your brain controls your body. The thought that you are thinking right at this moment, right at this moment, is impacting all 75 to 100 trillion cells of your body. So when we think of the scripture, Deuteronomy 30:19, I lay before you life on this side, death on this side, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. It is such an important scripture, as is every scripture in the Bible. But now just come back to the beginning with me. Thoughts are real things. They occupy mental real estate, like this church occupies mental real estate. Whatever you are thinking about is going to become something physical in your brain. Research shows us that what you say and what you do is not some random event. What you say and what you do is based on what you have first built using your mind into your brain. So you process information, you think and you choose and, that, and you feel and that is the signal that causes the DNA to express, the proteins to form and you grow dendrites. So thoughts look like trees and those trees can be for healing or destruction as it says in Revelations 22.5. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So if you're building good thoughts on this side of the stage and we build good thoughts when we listen to the Holy Spirit, when we pray continuously, when we meditate on the word day and night, when we we live a lifestyle of worship when we bring all thoughts into captivity to Christ Jesus then we build health but if we don't listen then we are going to be in this zone and you're still going to build a thought and it's still a physical thing and it's still real and it's still active but it's all distorted the proteins fold incorrectly it builds incorrectly so that's why I use this wiry tree it's in your brain it upsets the electromagnetic chemical glucose balance the quantum balance it, you have pro um, prolonged inflammation and research shows us that 75 to 98 percent 75 to 98 percent of current mental physical and emotional illnesses today come from our thought life they are tracking back right to what they call the genetic Adam and the genetic Eve they are tracing back all genes to one man and one woman the non-believing Christians they call them the genetic Adam and the genetic Eve which is quite interesting and what they're finding is that genes are created pure but through the ages because of sin we call it sin they call it whatever in the world that they don't believe in God wrong choices or whatever that has mutated the genes. So here's the thing. I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing. 
Choose life. Because if you don't choose life, you step in this zone. And from the time of Adam and Eve, we have started making, they started making wrong choices. The first mess in the DNA was there. It passes through the sperm and the ova, passes through. We learn from each other. We influence each other's genetic makeup by just observing each other. So it passes through the generations. The sins of the father will reach through to the third and the fourth generation. And on and on and on. In other words, our choices change the physical nature. God only made good stuff. We choose wrong and we build in the bad stuff. So in conclusion, you can control the events and circumstances of your life by controlling that. Sorry, you cannot control the events and circumstances, but you can control your reactions to the events and circumstances. So now you need to listen to part two. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Saturday evening. Thank you.